Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City who just loves to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. Be warned, you should be 18 and over and probably be listening with your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. On today's minicast, I wanted to talk about a topic that's just been on my mind lately. I've had it on my mind for a while, but this week I had a few conversations that really brought it to the forefront. And that's why does self-care often leave out sexual health as a component of overall well-being? This week, I went to One Million Cups and had the opportunity to meet an app developer. She has a very cool idea. Uh, The app involves kind of creating a personalized plan around your well-being you kind of pick what aspects you really need and want to focus on and then you track those things and then you're rewarded as you go through the process for doing those things for your self-care afterwards I approached her and and introduced myself and I said you know I'm, I'm curious since I'm a relationship dating and sex coach where does sexual health kind of fit into the people's self-care plans and she kind of pause when she looked at me and I could tell by the look on her face that just really wasn't included so I just smiled and I shook my head and I said you know what that's okay a lot of people when they talk about self-care they're still really apprehensive to include things like sexual health and well-being into the conversation one of my goals is to really help people feel comfortable and confident talking about any and all aspects of sexual expression so I gave her my card and I said, I'd love to follow up with you. And I did follow up with her on Twitter. So, you know, I hope to continue that conversation. I think that could definitely be a positive. Now, I also had a talk yesterday, in fact, with a pelvic floor therapist. I bet a lot of you out there didn't even know that a pelvic floor therapist exists and that it is for men and women. For those of you that might know that they're out there, a lot of people probably think that they primarily help women. Well, they help both men and women, cisgender and transgender. So anyway, my conversation with this pelvic floor therapist, she was expressing to me some of her frustrations about how so many providers, so many people out there in the self-care industry too, because that can fall under things like chiropractic massage. um, They're really not out there talking about these topics either. So you know, obviously a pelvic floor therapist, she gets a lot of her um, people through referral because since people don't know that she exists, it's a, it's a doctor, it's an OBGYN, it's a chiropractor that's referring to her, but there's still so many people out there that even though they've sent them to a pelvic floor therapist, they don't really know what's going on. They just know that there's something that they're not comfortable talking about. They're not, you know, feeling like they're the expert on. So rather than broach the conversation, they're just kind of passing them on. Well, okay, they will get the help that they need, but still those conversations are being missed. I also work with a chiropractor here in town on a wellness initiative, and she's got this wonderful program that talks about well-being. And, you know, when I look at it, I, I don't see sexual health represented there. I feel like it's kind of implied, though it's not, it's not really clear. It's not really disgust as I feel like it should be openly. So I want to take a moment and let's kind of delve into this from an aspect of like, first let's talk about like what is sexual health and then why aren't people talking about and then what we can do. So 
I pulled up the World Association of Sex Coaches Ethical Standards. And I want to read a few of these things to you. So probably read the first five or so. So their ethics and standards state that we believe that sexuality is an essential, natural, and healthy part of being human. We as humans are sexual beings lifelong from conception to death. Sexual rights are human rights. All adult sexual expression is acceptable as long as it is with consent and without intentional harm. Every person deserves to choose whether, how, and with whom they wish to express their sexuality, alone and or with a partner. Every person deserves to and can have the sexual aspects of one's life become realized. Every person also has the obligation to take responsibility for their sexual actions and the impact on self, others, and the global environment. People do not get rid of parts of themselves as sexual beings. They learn how to embrace and accept most aspects of self. Yeah, so, you know, there's another definition that I really want to discuss, and that's from the World Health Organization, because I'm going to talk a little bit about, again, providers, um, whether that's primary care providers, OBGYNs, things like that. So, you know, the World Health Organization is something that all of those folks should look up to and use as, as guidelines. So I kind of wonder how many physicians out there are actually looking at something like this. The World Health Organization defines sexual health as such. A state of physical, emotional, mental, and social well-being in relation to sexuality. It is not merely the absence of disease, dysfunction, or infirmary. That is so key. It's not just that you're not sick. It's not just that you're not doing well. Sexual health requires a positive and respectful approach to sexuality and sexual relationships, as well as the possibility of having pleasurable and safe sexual experiences. So we're talking about desire there. Free of coercion, discrimination, and violence. For sexual health to be attained and maintained, the sexual rights of all persons must be respected, protected, and fulfilled. Honestly, that also kind of hits close to home with what's going on in Missouri right now with the uh, abortion legislation. But that's another topic for another time as well. So let's talk about, like, why aren't we talking about sex as part of our self-care? Well, for one thing, there's, there's definitely a lack of training. Uh, medical schools really aren't teaching students these days about sexual health and well-being. The American Journal of Sexual Education in 2014 found that there is very little consistency in medical school training, in North America specifically, meaning one student at one college may get a really good understanding of um, like gender transition surgeries, and another school may not even talk about what it means to be transgender or what the process is like for those patients and how to support those patients. There was also a 2012 study at the University of Chicago uh, amongst OBGYNs that found that 40%, only 40% ask about sexual dysfunction. Even more abysmal is that only 29% ask about like sexual health and well-being so, or whether or not they're enjoying their sex life. So, I mean, for one thing, very few of them are checking to see if you're doing poorly or if there's something wrong with you. Less than half are asking if there's something wrong with you. And then basically a third of them, less than a third of them are asking like if you're actually liking your sex life, if you're enjoying yourself. Remember, I just talked about how it's not about the absence of a dysfunction or infirmary. It's about that you're doing well. So 
These doctors aren't even doing the basic thing the World Health Organization recommends, which is make sure that people are having a good sex life. Another thing with lack of training is that continuing education courses are by choice. They get to basically pick and choose what they want to you know, further their studies on or get a specialty in um, or, again, just kind of get some extra training on. I think one of the other problems is that providers or other people in the self-care industries, I'll call it self-care industries, just kind of like there's so many people that can be a part of that. Um, that could be your chiropractor, your therapist, your MD, your OB, your massage therapist. I don't know. There's lots of people out there. But anyway, many of them worry about offending or embarrassing their patient or their client. I once had a friend of mine tell me that she didn't know that you're not supposed to go from vaginal intercourse to anal back to vaginal. And she was like, wow, that really explains some things because I was talking about why you can get infections from that. And I, all I could think about is where was her doctor on this one? Where was her doctor asking her questions about like, okay, well, tell me about some of your habits. What's going on? If she's just writing a prescription for, you know, bacterial vaginosis but not asking why she keeps repeatedly getting bacterial vaginosis a couple times a year. A doctor's failing that patient. And again, kind of back to that American Journal of Sexual Education study that found that med schools aren't training. They found that patients really want to talk to their doctors, but they're too shy. So it's really up to the doctor. It's up to the provider to bring those things up. Another thing is a lack of opportunity to talk to like really key populations, especially teens. I think that this is a really critical population for doctors to be talking to about sex and sexuality because they're kind of like the safety net. If mom and dad haven't done a great job of talking to them about how to prevent sexually transmitted infections, how to prevent pregnancy, um, what a healthy relationship can look like as far as avoiding abuse, then you know, it's got to be that doctor who's having that conversation with the parents who kind of missed those chances. And teens won't ask. A Duke study showed that teens will not ask. The doctor has to be the one to bring it up. And since half of high schoolers are having sex, there's a missed opportunity. And, and also, a lot of teens aren't going to the doctor. Um, or mom and dad is staying in their room. So they can't have or aren't having those private conversations. <laughs> Lastly, I think that parents in many ways are failing their kids. Uh, a lot of them don't call a penis a penis. A lot of them don't talk about consent and desire. And if you raise unsure kids that don't know about sex, you're going to have unsure adults. I have a client who didn't understand that plan B only needed to be utilized when they'd had unprotected sex and he'd ejaculated during intercourse. He thought that he had a strong chance of getting her pregnant without there being any you know, ejaculation on his part, or even without intercourse. I had to go back and explain to him literally how babies were made. This is someone who's an adult, someone who could have had the opportunity to learn about these things, but either school failed him or parents failed him. And once you get to a certain age, you kind of just expect that you already know everything that you need to know. You don't know what you don't know. I guess that's really what I'm trying to say. Sometimes people don't know what they don't know about sex. So without comprehensive sex education schools, which we don't have, without parents feeling really comfortable and confident talking to their kids about sex, which 
let's be real. I mean, if you're listening to this, email me if your parents actually felt really comfortable talking to you about sex. I know mine didn't. Oh, some of the conversations that I had with my parents about sex. Oh, so how do we change this? I want to challenge you, my listeners, to start talking to people around you about sex. Like who's on your self-care team? Is it your primary care physician, your OBGYN? Uh, is it your chiropractor, your massage therapist, your trainer, or your weight loss coach, maybe your therapist? And hey, I will even throw out there like hairstylist as therapist is a real thing. <laughs> Uh, shout out to all my hairstylist friends out there who have heard everything under the sun. In fact, they've probably heard more in their chair than an OBGYN or a primary care physician has in any given day about sex and sexuality. So start talking to the people on your self-care team about your sex life. Start talking to them not just about when things are going wrong. Talk to them about when things are going well. Talk to your friends about sex and sexuality if you need to grab a bottle of wine or two and get some friends together and just talk to them about things ask them questions start helping each other normalize the conversation and you can even start off by saying like okay i know none of us have ever really sat down and talked about our sex lives before but you you are my friends i want to feel more comfortable talking about it i have some questions i'm sure all of you do and maybe we can help each other whatever Sit down, talk about it, get comfortable, have some real and honest conversations. Talk to your partner, talk to your parent, talk to your kids. This point is even a challenge for myself. Even as a sex coach, there are some things my parents are obviously not comfortable talking to me about. That's fine. I don't need to know every little detail under the sun. But I'm going to challenge myself to have some more honest conversations just about their overall sexual well-being making sure that they feel like their health is intact. That's the thing. You really should be having sex until the day that you die. My parents are totally in love. I'm sure they have a happy, healthy sex life. But again, I feel like as a sexuality educator, I need to challenge myself to have that conversation with my parents so that I can feel comfortable talking to other people about having that conversation. So... I'm going to do it myself, y'all. Also, I want to challenge providers to do more. I'm sure there's continuing education courses. You can have lunch and learns with sexuality educators and coaches like myself. You can have us come into your office and talk to you and talk to your staff. I would also challenge you to take on your own assumptions. Really, ultimately, that means, like, work on yourself. Um... A good way to do that could be to take a SAR, which is a um, seminar. Actually, I took one a couple of years ago in Los Angeles. There's SAR. Um, <clears throat> there are SAR workshops all over the country, and that's a sexuality attitude readjustment. That course is designed to really help people figure out their stuff. I say work on yourself, you know. It's you kind of get bombarded with all of these images and all these stories. And we had panels with like a BDSM panel. We had a, a transgender panel. And I, I already felt like I knew a lot about sexuality just from, I mean, obviously I, I did going in. <clears throat> I wouldn't have chosen this field if I didn't already know a lot about human sexuality and feel really comfortable with it. But the SAR really helped open my eyes to some things that I didn't again that I didn't know that I didn't know um 
I know there are some people in the room who it really helped affirm like, okay, these are my boundaries. This is what I can't work with. I mean, I had one item affirmed that I'm like, yeah, for sure. I, I cannot work with, or it's not that I don't want to work with people who are into uh, medical play. I just cringe at the idea of blood and needles and stuff like that. So there's no judgment from me for people that like that. Um, as long as they're doing it in a safe, sane, consensual way, of course. It's more about I kind of have a visceral reaction about blood and I don't want to come across as super judgmental to those people. So I I tell my clients that that's really the only topic that I don't want to discuss. And if that's something they're into, I'm happy to refer them out. I haven't run into anybody yet, but you know, I'm just clear that that's my boundary. So Asar helped me and helped others in the, the seminar really understand where our boundaries were. It helped us kind of work through some of our own stuff. I know it helped me kind of feel like, okay, if, if I'm not okay with this, why am I not okay with this? Where is that really coming from? Um, and there were some really profound learnings for myself and for other people in the room after that SAR. I'd also challenge providers to realize that your patients and your clients are craving conversations about sexual health and well-being. They want to have happy, healthy sex lives, and sometimes they don't know where to start. And if you're on the front line helping them with their self-care routine, I think it's critical that you are feeling comfortable and confident talking about sex with your patients and clients. And if you're not, hey, there's always room for improvement. There's always room for growth. You can reach out to a coach like myself to help you feel more comfortable with it. You can send them to a coach like myself if you're just not quite there and not feeling like you're really doing that client much of a service. If you need to refer out, that's what I'm here for. That's what other sexuality educators and coaches are here for. That's what other sex therapists are here for. Sexual self-care is a key aspect of your overall self-care routine. I hope that you take some of this to heart. Thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate you letting me use these mini casts as an opportunity to just kind of ramble about topics. Uh, you'll see me probably release one of these a week now. I'll have my regular full interview podcast once a week and then these mini casts once a week. I've also thought about using it as a chance to answer people's questions, whether that's um, a client who had a really good question in a session that week or you want to submit a question to me directly. Your questions can be sent to Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, at openthedoorscoaching.com. You can find that on my website as well, openthedoorscoaching.com. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the latest news and updates. If you're not already on my Safe for Work email list, please sign up. And you can also subscribe to be on my not Safe for Work list, The Dirty Bird. You can find that once you sign up, you'll get a link for The Dirty Bird. So, thanks for listening. <laughs>